0: You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, The Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Doug McCambridge of the Good Times, Great Movies, and Shits and Giggles Podcasts joins me today to discuss July's new releases and expiring titles, and Michael Hutchins stops by to talk about digital supplements. Stay with us as we start surfing The Criterion Channel. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out Just The Discs, hosted by Brian Sauer. Just The Discs is a podcast about Blu-rays. In each episode, Brian Sauer will go through a stack of discs from various distributors and talk about them. Find Just The Discs wherever you get your podcasts. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. Well, my guest today is Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast, as well as the Shits and Giggles podcast. You also hear his name every week because he is the designer of our fantastic logo. Doug, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been trying to get you on for a bit, but our schedules just have not aligned. Thanks for being here. This is great.
1: Thank you for having me and I I have to apologize. All that scheduling stuff. Maybe I'm just trying to pretend that I'm more popular and canceling <laughs> on you constantly, but no, I'm I'm really happy that this could finally work out. I have wanted to come on for some time.
0: For anybody that isn't familiar with your other shows, why don't you talk just a little bit about the Good Times Great Movies podcast, and then uh, this latest endeavor into the world of Schitt's Creek?
1: Yeah. uh, You know what? I'll start with the Schitt's Creek one. Um, My wife and I do the podcast together, uh, where we cover every single episode of the series in chronological order. Um, I've been told by Aaron West to put out episodes more frequently because right now we only put out (laughs) one episode every other week. At this point, a show that only has about 13 episodes per season, I think it'll take us about three years to get through it. (laughs) But that's more our speed. We feel comfortable moving at that pace. But uh, now it's it's a lot of fun. My wife and I absolutely love the show. We've watched the entire series now twice, and we're going back through it a third time to do the podcast. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's something that, I don't want to be one of those people that says, it's something my wife and I can do together. But honestly, our taste in media, let's say, does not overlap all that often. <laughs> so when it does, we, we sort of just saw this as an opportunity to talk to people and to share our love of the show with other people that love it as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, have you seen the series? Do you enjoy the show? Have you... I
0: have not seen the series oh, yet. Okay. This is one that I do want to watch, and uh, uh, I think it might be one to watch with my wife as well. Sure. I keep hearing really great things about it, and I've yeah. heard it's it's a delight. And uh, and I love, but I love what you say though about having these kind of conversations. Uh, with your wife on air Mm -hmm. about the show. And uh, I know my wife and I have talked about doing some sort of a podcast together as well. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a, finding that kind of common common space to frame those conversations, I think is really neat.
1: Yeah, and I, I think during this, you know, Time of pandemic here. It's it's honestly given us a little more time to try and find common interests. I mean, she is not mm. going to watch Twin Peaks with me, and and I'm not going to watch Grey's Anatomy with her. Like that's that's just not going to happen. So yeah. it is kind of fun to hear from people and you know people saying like, oh, you should watch Ozark if you like Breaking Bad. So. I think that you you should probably look into it. But also, I heard on one of your recent episodes that you really don't like comedies. So who knows, really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I... I, I I am willing to give a lot of things a chance and I do sure. enjoy the cast of uh, Schitt's yes. Creek. Okay. And I think that the, the tone looks just like it's just up my corner enough that it will, right. it will work. And I think it's bite-sized okay. enough. 30 minutes is probably exactly the right amount of time.
1: Oh, yeah, these are like 21-minute episodes, I think. Yeah. You know, if, if you realize it was a waste of your time and you're five episodes in, you're good. You haven't really given up that much time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and the other podcast I do, and I've been doing this one for over five years now, uh, as you said, is Good Times Great Movies, where my co-host Jamie and I, we uh, cover a different film from the 80s every other week, and we kind of, even if it's a great film, and I, I love... Robocop. I honestly do love Dirty Dancing. Like the show is just kind of us taking the piss out of these movies. Uh I think that we cover more bad movies than good movies, but sometimes <laughs> I think that makes for a better and more entertaining conversation.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. That's awesome. And it is it is such a delightful show to to hear your banter and rapport and I think you you and Jamie have really over the years developed such a great method of talking through those films and uh it's it's such a delight to hear you break those films down and
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no thank you that's that's nice of you to say appreciate it yeah
0: it's a lot of fun uh so yeah for anyone that hasn't heard good times great movies i highly recommend checking that out it's uh it's a delightful delightful show but you also are a big fan of Criterion and the the more serious films, and you don't mm-hmm. talk about these quite as much on, well, you don't talk about these really <laughs> much at all on Good Times Great Movies. So I know that uh, when you're on Criterion now, uh, you talk about how fun it is to talk mm-hmm. about some of these films you don't get to talk about on that show. Are you a subscriber to the channel? I know this was a running joke with Aaron West back at, during the FilmStruck days, um, <laughs> but uh, do you subscribe? Are you a, a, a member of the the yes. channel? Yes,
1: uh, I yes yeah, so that was a running joke, and I did subscribe, or I did get the trial just in time for FilmStruck to announce that they were <laughs> going under. Uh, so, but I did I enjoyed it enough to be one of the what do they call them, premium subscribers, where you get the little tag thing? Charter members, yeah. Yes, yes. So I knew that I would be really interested in this. And also, to be honest, my physical media collecting has tapered off a bit. I know that David Blakesley at one point jokingly, I think jokingly, I'm not sure, said, you know what, Spine 1000 would be a really nice stopping point. I kind of did that um, mm, mm-hmm. in that I have titles beyond 1000, but it's it's not critical for me to get all of those numbers after 1000. Yeah. I'm kind of, you know, and, and that's what I'm doing with this upcoming Barnes & Noble sale is saying, okay, what numbers do I not have? How do I fill in those gaps before 1000? But after that, yeah. it's more of you know, personal interest or, or essential films beyond that. So the channel, while, you know, early on, you know, the first few months, uh, I really didn't dive in that much. Right now, it's it's probably the streaming service that I use most often.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me some of your thoughts about it uh, now that you know we've had it for a little mm-hmm. m- more than a year. What are some of the things that you really uh, like about it? What are some of the things about the interface that work for you? What are some of the frustrations that you run into and how do you work around those?
1: I'm not really I don't really have the frustrations that I've heard from other people. I I just use it through my Fire Stick. I I don't Mm. need to get it onto my – I actually tried to put it onto uh, my Xbox One or my kid's Xbox One, Uh and it didn't work for some reason after people were saying, oh, it's on Xbox now. It didn't work, but that's not a huge deal to me. I really don't have any issues with it. I love the Bundles, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, this this Western yeah. Noir bundle, I'm so excited. I have not watched one of those films in the bundle, and I'm excited to make my way through it. And, and the other thing is the idea of the short and feature. That's something mm. that I absolutely love. I do not watch enough shorts. Uh, I know it, and that's just a great excuse if I if I really am into you know a particular film, let's say uh, Cleo from five to seven you know the fact that they're pairing it with fit model which i've never seen well they're doing that for some reason and if i love the actual feature i'm probably going to enjoy that short
0: yeah yeah that's awesome that's great yeah i think it's a really intriguing just the ways in which they're curating this service, mm-hmm. I, you know. I was going over the selection again yesterday. I you know, try to add everything to my. I have a massive <laughs> criterion collection list on Letterboxd, and mm-hmm. uh, so I try to add everything that's that's premiering onto my Letterboxd list. And just going over this the stuff again, I I continue to get impressed by the precision of the the ways in which they're curating things the double features and you know the 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 choices in the marriage yeah. stories bundles the choices for the the curated uh, starring bundles or the mm-hmm. you know we've now had a few bundles based on composers and uh, i just love the ways that they're they're trying to repackage these materials in uh, to highlight films and to give us additional context
1: And I would say, I mean, I don't know if some people think that this is a small thing, but the idea of what's expiring is the greatest thing any streaming service could do. You know, if if Netflix did this, if Amazon Prime did this, it would be the first place I go. And that's what happens with Criterion every month. It's really the first place I go to add stuff to my watch list. I, I, I don't I mean. I kind of know why other streaming services don't do this, but I, I think that's a detriment to those services. When, when things that I had in my watch list on Netflix are just randomly gone, I mean, immediately I go to Amazon and see if they've moved over there, um, but that's so helpful.
0: Yeah, it is. It's such a great thing. Yeah. And then what I'm finding fascinating just, uh, and I'll be talking about this with uh, Matt later in the episode, is that the Vimeo... Uh, over the top service that that Criterion is using has now been adopted by a lot of the smaller boutique labels that have their own streaming platforms. Yeah. So Ovid has switched over to the same interface because it's a less expensive service, and they don't have to maintain mm-hmm. their own app. They don't have to maintain their own their own infrastructure because mm-hmm. uh, it's prohibitively expensive. and And I think that for all of the you know the bells and whistles that you might want from something like Netflix or Hulu the truth is that Criterion's a small company and they don't have yeah. the the budget to be able to to Im- to implement all those things that you might want right
1: yeah and also i don't even know if it's i mean this is just personally i don't know if i want those things sometimes <laughs> just trying to navigate amazon prime is a mess yes, I, I don't yes. know where i am i don't know what is free i mean you know, I'm I'm also a subscriber to Shudder. So, yeah. you know, that channel is then part of Amazon. So thankfully now Amazon's added this thing at the top, which is very specific free to me because I used to be able to just, you know, you have the little, you know, the little dog ear there that yeah. says Prime. But suddenly I'm getting stuff that doesn't have that, but that I can watch through Shudder and I... I had no idea what was free and what wasn't until I started to play it. So yeah, sometimes that stuff is a mess. I don't need yes. those bells and whistles.
0: Well, and I will just say personally, I think Amazon Prime is maybe the worst designed streaming service yeah. ever.
1: I agree, and it's a shame too, because it has most of the content that I want to see. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't I don't watch things on Netflix. Honestly, I, I don't. I'm not into their original movies. They don't put enough other films up there. I'm not into their original programming. I rarely find a show that I like on there. Disney Plus is for my kids. I watched The Mandalorian and then looked through and went, I have no need for anything else It's on Disney Plus. So honestly, it really is Amazon Prime and Criterion that I use. And I just wish that Amazon was a little easier to navigate.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Doug and I will be right back to talk about the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of July. But first, I'm going to check in with Michael Hutchins for a conversation about the Criterion Channel's digital supplements. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel surfing, check out the complete podcast hosted by Matthew Gasteyer and Travis Trudell covering the filmographies of the world's most renowned directors, one season at a time. The Complete is dedicated to taking chronological journeys through the most rewarding filmographies in cinema. Each season covers one director, with each episode focusing on one feature film from their catalog. The first season was dedicated to Stanley Kubrick, while the second season covered Elaine May. The current third season is focused on Krzysztof Kieslowski, the Polish director most famous for the Decalogue and the Three Colors Trilogy. Find out more at thecompletepod.blueberry.net. I'm here with Michael Hutchins, one of our regular contributors to Criterion Channel Surfing, as well as a frequent contributor to most of the Facebook groups dedicated to the Criterion Collection. He's joining me today to talk about the digital supplements on the Criterion Channel. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to dig into this. You know, I think that this is really what sets Criterion Channel apart from so many other streaming services, right?
2: Oh, true. Thanks for having me, Josh. Good to be here.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, I've been digging into some other streaming services lately, but the thing is, is that they don't have these supplements, right?
2: Oh, no. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I've never seen them, so I can't imagine any other service having them. Yeah, But yeah, it's possible. You know, maybe uh, some of the services that I don't subscribe to, like <laughs> the, uh, the boutique labels have their own streaming services now, uh, like Ovid. So, I'm not sure if they also offer any supplements to their to their movies,
0: yeah, I mean, this is just you know even every once in a while you'll see a making of or behind the scenes on something like Netflix or Hulu, oh, yeah. um, maybe even Amazon from time to time, but it's not nearly the quality the the breadth you don't get the the in depth look at really the context of a film that you get with the Criterion channel, right?
2: Oh, Yes, true.
0: We've talked maybe a little bit about some of this type of stuff before, but, you know, I mean, I, this is part of what sets Criterion apart in on their physical releases as well. Is this part of what drew you to the Criterion collection in the first place?
2: Yes, I first uh, became aware of the Criterion collection back in the 80s. I think somewhere around 87, 88, I had just got into Laserdisc. And uh, Criterion was really the major reason why I actually bought laser discs or bought a, bought a player to start with, because they were the only company out there that actually uh, had supplements to their releases, you know. And so they, they practically invented the whole concept of yeah. uh, supplements on uh, physical releases. Yeah. So yeah, it's been it's been what is it, thirty years? Goodness.
0: Time flies when you're watching Criterion's, right?
2: Oh yes, yes.
0: You know, when when we're looking at what's on the channel. Do you have you know uh, this may be an exercise in futility, but do you have a ballpark figure for how many original supplements criterion has created exclusively for the channel
2: oh uh, we're talking about just for the channel
0: yeah and just for I, the channel
2: I, I would say i I did a rough count and there there's basically three different areas that they concentrate in you've got the uh the actual programs such as uh, Art House America and Mm. uh, the adventures in movie going and the observations on film art. And I kind of put those all together as programming. And then you've got what we call introductions or interviews. And those will usually accompany the the bundles. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I've discovered is in the bundles, you'll have uh, either an introduction by a scholar or a critic or you'll have, if it's a director's bundle, and if the director's alive, you'll often get uh, original an original interview with the director. Mm, yeah, And that's, that's happened quite often. Uh, about 25 directors in the past year have actually come into the studios there at uh, Criterion and have recorded introductions to their movies. Wow. And then we also have the third part is, I guess you'd call them teasers. It's whenever they put a mm. bundle together and they'll put out these uh trailers, I suppose. And so they they'll have little clips uh teasing you about those bundles. So those usually only last a couple of minutes. But when you're talking about the interviews and introductions, sometimes they can last up to twenty, twenty-five minutes. Yeah. So that's they, that, that's some sub substantial uh material there that they're putting out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I that's that's Thank you for breaking that down into some buckets for us to yeah. to, to organize yeah. those for because I think that's yeah. that's really helpful in thinking about that because I, right. I think that is I think I get a little overwhelmed when I look at all of the different original content. You know, it's it's easy for me to just skip over the supplements that are available on physical releases because I have those at home and I know I can get to those when I eventually dive into that disc at home but mm-hmm. when it comes to the the digital supplements that's stuff that I really want to make sure I get to and yeah. uh that's all that's all original to the channel
2: yes and sadly I missed some of this on the in the early months of the of the channel because I wasn't uh, I was aware that it was there but knowing that that some of this program was not going to be there forever for instance some of the uh interviews and introductions were done for limited engagements which means once the actual film is gone then you no longer have access to those introductions so for instance let's say the christian Petzold bundle it was there was an introduction and so if once that bundle was gone then the introduction is gone so there's no way of getting back to it so now i try to make sure that whenever a a limited engagement bundle or just a, a solo film is brought to the channel and it has these introductions or interviews with the directors, I try to make sure I see those as well as the movie itself.
0: Yeah, well, when we're looking at that stuff for the uh, the introductions or for the interviews, how much how much content are we looking at there?
2: Oh my goodness, I, uh, I would say probably about 100 so far. Uh, and that doesn't include the other stuff that, that was brought with them whenever they transferred from filmstruck mm-hmm. because they were doing the same thing back then, but not on, on such a grand scale. Yeah. And they, but they was also still doing the same basic programming. For instance, the three programs I spoke of art house, America adventures and movie going, and the observations on film art all started on filmstruck. And so, and then they continued once criterion developed its own channel. Yeah. So for instance, uh, let's talk about the observations on film art. They're up to 37 episodes. Wow. You've got the three teachers from the University of Wisconsin in Madison, David Boardwell, Kristen Thompson, and Jeff Smith. And they're probably equally dividing up uh, the chores of this mm-hmm. series. And so now they're up to 37. And uh, 12 of them have actually uh, been presented on the new Criterion channel. Yeah. So it's r- roughly one a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. About the same rate they were doing on Filmstruck.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, it, when you get behind on it, it feels daunting. But what's so nice about it is it's it's really bite-sized content, right?
2: Oh, yeah. They're not that long. I'd say they average maybe 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, they're good introductions to the film, but not necessarily that you – they're more introduction to the art of the film is what yeah. that whole point. It's not really introducing a viewer – To the film itself but just uh, how the director makes certain aspects of the film or the sound or the editing or the cinematography and so it's it's they're teachers so they're there to uh to teach you the whole idea and so that's the name of the series they're just observing film art
0: yeah and i will say that i find that series to be really in keeping with this this whole film school in a box it yes. goes
2: all the way back to uh the laser disc days yeah it's like that's that's when it was that whole term was created because mm-hmm. no one had ever heard of that the yeah. idea that you could teach them
0: yeah and you really do they do such a great job of explaining certain concepts i still go back to the uh the description of uh, lighting when they're looking at Raymond Bernard's wooden crosses yes. and just the the ways that he skewed 3 point lighting in order to create some really dramatic effects for that war film and it was such a such a powerful little piece Yes. short but it really was effective in explaining how lighting was used to create mood and atmosphere and ambiance in that film.
2: Oh even something like uh, an obscure film like Lydia
0: mm-hmm.
2: which uh and they they would explore how the use of flashbacks or non-linear narrative that's something you would not expect from a film in the 30s. Yeah. So that's that's uh it just it gives you uh just a a history of that idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what other, when we're looking at some of those other original programs that are, because I think that this is also pretty unique, honestly, to Criterion Channel, that, you know, they're not just creating or curating films from other places, but they're also creating these series that help explore the film and contextualize the film in some different ways.
2: Yes, like different aspects of Let's start Yeah. Like- Art House America series. Yeah. I mean, that just takes, you know, you've got the observations on film art, which is a more scholarly look at how film is made. Then you've got the Art House America series, which teaches you how art is presented in these smaller theaters around the country. So that's just, you know, just another aspect that they're trying to bring to their audience. Yeah. And then you've got the adventures in movie going series, which is you've got authors and, and actors and writers, just people who aren't necessarily always uh, they're not always uh, connected with the world of cinema, but you see the, you see the world of cinema through their eyes, you know, someone like, let's say uh, Patton Oswald
0: Yeah. yeah. And,
2: or, or Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they get a chance to talk in an interview, maybe about 20, 25 minutes about their, their, their love of film. And then, they, then there's these short pieces where they introduce some of their favorite films that's on the channel. So yeah. that's, uh, that's a very great series as well.
0: Yeah, and I find all of them really compelling. Yeah, it's a, it's a really... I, I continue to really enjoy that series quite a bit, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think with the, the Art House America, it's been interesting in these last few months of the closure with all, of all the theaters, that yes. rather than... Because they're not able to produce any new installments of that right now. So right, yeah. instead, they're, they're adding new programming to the existing slate to still draw attention to these theaters, right?
2: Yes. Uh, at the time, I think they've only done five on the new channel and that's, that stopped some time uh, at the end of last year. Yeah. And so, uh, and what you're saying is correct. They've just added a couple of films to one or two of the bundles in the last uh, six months.
0: Yeah. And I like, I like that they're still trying to draw attention to those theaters and, yeah. uh, and remind people that, these art houses are still out there and uh, they still rely on audiences to support them and right now we're supporting them virtually and we're supporting them from a distance while it's not safe to go back to resuming in person theater attendance. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And they they need our support and so I'm sure Criterion's doing its share to try to try to keep it keep it alive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great how how often do you find yourself digging into these digital supplements as you're kind of working your way through the channel
2: i try to watch them as they come on but i i am behind but i i will try to catch the ones that i know are are limited and won't be there for a long time but for instance like the observations on film art we know that 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 yeah. is a permanent part of the library so there's no way that's ever going away yeah. and there's some documentaries that uh, you also uh, expect to be on there because they were produced by Criterion Channel, mm, mm-hmm. and that's like the the two documentaries by Daniel Raim. Mm. I think that's how you pronounce his name R A I M. But uh, he did a a documentary about Ozu mm. called In Search of Ozu. Very interesting documentary about him going to a museum and looking at, uh, you know, putting on the white gloves and looking at a hall of. Uh, the archives that uh, the museum has of Ozu his, and his uh, scripts and his uh, documentation uh, while he was making his films. And then you've got, um, he made one, he interviewed uh, Francois Truffaut's daughter. And that was a pretty substantial documentary about, about a half hour long itself. Mm. And then we have uh, the one that Connor Jessup made on We're Ascetical. Yeah yeah and so it's been a while since we've seen those but I'm, I'm sure that because of covid we're going to have a delay in, in certain yeah. certain areas of this of this original programming yeah but they did get around it in one way you, you noticed recently whenever they loaded uh original cast album company and they they had that uh zoom meeting yes with the uh, yes with all of the contributors to to the co-op documentary now yes and so they they're they're getting away around it that way but I'm not sure from this point on how, how long they're going to be doing that.
0: Yeah. 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 And they are, they, it does seem that they are trying to find creative ways to still make this original content while they have to maintain uh, physical distancing and maintain these uh, procedures. Right.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's uh, what I think is going to be uh, hurting in the next few months because they, they may have actually caught up with all of the interviews they've done with directors uh, that were done in their offices because mm-hmm. you have to imagine that they cannot have done that since very much uh, longer after March or so. Yeah. So maybe they'll be slowing down on that uh, in the next uh, few months, but hopefully they'll get back to it soon. Yeah. Well, hopefully for all of us.
0: Yeah. And hopefully they'll start doing some, you know, if, if those restrictions are still in place, they'll still be able to do, you know, Zoom recordings. Yeah. And, right. you know, I just watched the, New Werner Herzog film on Mubi recently, and watched the pre-recorded Q and A mm. with him. And they did a a Zoom conversation, and it is it is interesting to see how some of these boutique streaming services are adapting in this time. And I think that while Criterion has definitely had a lot of things in production in the pipeline for a while, I think we'll probably start to see some of this shift over the next bit.
2: Oh yes, and we're and we're also waiting to see how it will affect their fiscal releases, the supplements yeah. on those, because we've yeah. really not saw that. Uh, may, I'm not I'm not sure about their pipeline, about how far in advance they do the supplements, and uh, how far in advance that the producers actually you know get all their material together. But it's going to hit eventually. We know that, and yeah. so uh, I just hope that they'll be able to get around it, find find other methods, as you were saying, like the zoom the zoom calls.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, I think that uh, these times make us all inventive, right? Yes. In yes. learning new ways of, of communicating, right? What are some of the other things that you've discovered as you've been doing some research? When I, when I threw this to you a few days ago, this, this subject, <laughs> I know you always go into research mode. Uh, so I'm sure you've yeah. discovered things that I uh, haven't even thought to ask.
2: Well, as I said earlier, I did discover that with almost every bundle, you're going to have something original added to it, either an introduction, either an interview, or you're going to have those teasers. Mm. Uh, and and some, in some cases, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't even aware of some of the teasers because they don't, mm. uh, if you're not, uh, I think they, they put them on their Instagram and on their, their Twitter feeds, and usually, I guess, on their Facebook feeds as well. But those are fun to watch. And uh, sometimes you can see some very innovative editing. That's what I found was interesting.
0: Yeah, that's fun. I I always enjoy the ways in which they promote these things. I I go back to the Olympics box set announcement from a few years ago. And that video, you know, I'm not a sports person at all, but that video made me really eager for that box set.
2: Oh, yes, that, that sold me. That was so beautifully made.
0: Yeah. They work with some really talented editors that really do a great job of, and, and, and I think there's a lot of wit in the, the ways in which they package those, and uh, they're, they're really delightful.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah I agree
0: yeah well thank you again Michael for joining me this is always a pleasure it's always fun to talk about some of these corners and crevices of the channel and uh, this is fun I I think this is again supplements are the areas that just don't get talked about a whole lot in the rush of the discussions about new and expiring titles and uh, I think these are things that people need to check out more
2: that's true. I'm trying to think now if I ever saw any discussion on any of the Facebook groups about supplements and I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any. So yeah. uh, we're going to have to start some of these discussions. Exactly. Like you are now in this podcast. Yes.
0: Yeah, great. Well, where can people find you online?
2: Okay. I'm at the Criterion Channel Club on Facebook as well as Criterion Now Facebook group. And you can find me on Letterboxd at Michael Hutchins. And that's about it.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll be right back with more Criterion Channel Surfing as Doug and I continue our conversation by talking about July's new releases and expiring titles. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out Drinking While Talking, hosted by Jill Blake and Wade Sheeler. Classic film, classic music, classic culture, shaken and stewed. Every episode of Drinking While Talking, Jill Blake and Wade Sheeler discuss movies and music, new and old, with forays into pop culture from the past, as well as wherever the spirit takes them as they get progressively more spirited. Whether they're delving into classic film, desert island picks, quizzes, games, or misguided monologues, the question will always remain, how far can they get until everything falls apart? As the editors of theretroset.com, the premier clearinghouse for all things classic, you can catch their deep dives into movies, music, and lifestyle. Sober. Their hope on drinking while talking is to take the pretension out of discussing the classics as they make their way from the early 20th century through modern day by way of film, culture, politics, through the prism of their unique and personal lens, and booze. Find out more at theretroset.com. Welcome back to Criterion Channel Surfing. I'm here with Doug McCambridge and we're getting ready to dive into the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of July. So Doug, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is this is kind of crazy. Uh, I mean again I say this every month, so let's just be honest. I get overwhelmed every month when I look sure. at the list. But before we dive into the the list of stuff. What's just your first impression of the new titles that are premiering this month?
1: I I mean, how could you ever be disappointed? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that's the biggest question here. And they hit you with so much. I, I think that for as much as I said that it's really nice for them to list the expiring titles in both what's new and expiring, I often feel overwhelmed. Like I just look yeah. through and I'm like, well, I don't all these expiring titles and even the new ones. I'm like, there's not enough time for me to watch all this stuff. And then what do I decide to watch and what do I sort of neglect and say, well, maybe this will be up for six, seven months, two years, something like that. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm thrilled with what they have. For as much as I'm a collector of physical media, I often do not go back to uh, films more than one time, mm. even if I really enjoyed it. Um, so I really like the fact that I can cut a lot of these out of you know I don't have to add a good number of these to uh, my viewing list or my to watch list or anything like that because I have the physical media release or have seen these before but as I said that western noir there are a couple things that Criterion does a lot of type of films that they uh, put out that I'm not a fan of and this is not going to ingratiate me to a lot of (laughs) listeners but westerns I do not connect to westerns And I do not connect to samurai films (laughs) and Criterion Mm. has a lot of those. But you give me any noir, you give me the worst garbage noir and I am in 100%. So I'm, I'm excited about this Western noir set.
0: That's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, uh, let's then just dive right into the the list here and I'll go through these as quickly as possible. And we do start things off with Western Noir. There are a lot of films in here, including films that are currently on the channel or were on the channel before, uh, but also a lot of things that are brand new, like Blood on the Moon, Station West, Lust for Gold, The Walking Hills. Uh, the naked spur was on uh, filmstruck and it's making its mm-hmm. return uh, I shot Jesse James is part of the Sam Fuller Eclipse series but uh, they're bundling that here I mean this is just a this is just a packed packed set uh, that just looks incredible uh, we've got documentaries by the Ross Brothers and uh, with the most recent one of theirs on this set, Contemporary Color, that made a big uh, stir on the Mm -hmm. film festival circuit a few years ago. We've got directed by Sarah Driver with You Are Not I, Sleepwalk, When Pigs Fly, and The Bowery. We have scores by Ryuchi Sakamoto with, again, some films that are already on the channel, but also some new things. Uh, We've got Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, The Sheltering Sky, The Handmaid's Tale, Uh, Almodovar's High Heels, Love is the Devil, A Study for a Portrait of Francis Bacon, Uh, we've got uh, Gohato, uh, Tony Takitani, Women Without Men, and the documentary about Ryuichi Sakamoto, Ryuichi Sakamoto Koda. We've got this really packed bundle uh, called Marriage Stories mm. in which they're bringing back films from uh, earlier this year, and they're also bringing some films from their filmstruck days, and then they've got a bunch of films that are on physical media that they're packaging in here as well. So we've got Comeback Little Sheba, The Bigamist, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, La Nota, Juliet of the Spirits... Was afraid of Virginia Woolf uh, scenes from a marriage I mean it just it goes on and on squid and the whale antichrist uh, this is not necessarily um, happy marriage stories but uh, it's a uh, it's a lot of merit stories there. Uh, we've got a bundle uh, directed by Miranda July with me, you, and everyone we know. And it looks like it includes most of the the content from the disc released just mm-hmm. recently. Uh, it also includes her follow up feature, The Future, includes uh, her shorts, uh, and includes the Joni for Jackie shorts that are on the disc, plus a few others as well. So, again, it's a pretty packed bundle there. And if you have the disc, uh, as I was looking and comparing the disc to what's in the bundle, there are a lot of the Joni for Jackie Shorts, which was a chain letter that she did uh, Mm -hmm. supporting uh, female filmmakers. And uh, there are a lot of things that are not included on the disc. So I would definitely go through those and uh, really dig into that work. There are 3 films starring Jane Fonda with Barbarella, Fun with Dick and Jane and California Sweet. The massive Olympic Films box set, all of the films are being packaged here on the channel. Uh, I believe most of them are were already there, but I think a few that were not there are going to be added. Directed by Adam Agoyan is The Next Bundle, a Canadian filmmaker. We're getting Next of Kin, Family Viewing, Speaking Parts, The Adjuster, Calendar, Exotica, The Sweet Hereafter, and Adoration. And from what uh, I've been hearing in the community, Exotica and The Sweet Hereafter both have the Criterion logo at the beginning. So it looks like those will probably be uh, getting releases by Criterion at some point Ooh, in the next few years. Those
1: are, those are good choices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are great choices.
0: <laughs> we'll be getting the streaming premiere of the Darden Brothers' latest film, Young Ahmed. Uh, the World Cinema Project, uh, Soleo is coming to the channel as well. It will be released later this year on DISC. We're getting Saturday matinees of Mad Hot Ballroom, The White Balloon, Miss Annie Rooney, and Destroy All Monsters. We're getting uh, just individual releases of Between the Lines, the Safety Brothers documentary, Lenny Cook, California Typewriter, the Patricio Guzman documentary, Nostalgia for the Light, Uh, 12 O'Clock Boys, the film Born in Flames, which includes a new interview with the director Lizzie Borden, Cornelio Portramboyu's new film Infinite Football, and the Hungarian film My 20th Century. We're going to be getting Criterion editions of Certain Women, A Dry White Season, and Tokyo Olympiad. The double features this uh, month are going to be Bullet and Grand Prix, Malanoche and My Own Private Idaho, Mona Lisa and Gloria. We're getting too Noir here with Gun Crazy and The Big Combo, and uh, ending with The Virgin Spring from Ingmar Bergman and Last House on the Left from Wes Craven. And uh, the short plus features are Shadow Animals in Attenberg, Pickle and Gates of Heaven, Fit Model and Cleo from 5 to 7, and Pillars of Heaven and Girlhood. And then finally, we get an addition to the Art House America Loft Cinema with Arizona Dream. Wow! Yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> wow. it's a good it's a good yeah. chunk of stuff here. I mean, uh, you know, just as I was going through it, and I'm going, "Wow, what did I what did I recommend, and why did I recommend what I recommended?" <laughs> uh, but because <laughs> you know, there's there's just there's so much, right?
1: Well, there's so much, and and also this is pure laziness on my point. But I will probably, as something I said that I do not do is if I have a physical release, I'm not going to watch it streaming, yeah, that a hundred years of Olympia. <laughs> like i just taking that box and opening it is yep. such a chore which is so <laughs> lazy on my part i will probably go through and watch some that i haven't seen here streaming
0: yeah yep yeah, yeah it's i you know we have we have the technology now and yeah you know you have the gorgeous box set on your shelf and oh, why yeah. why damage the cardboard
1: right exactly plus i think it's I think it's under two other boxes anyway, so <laughs> it's not the easiest thing to get out. Yeah, I have
0: mine on the shelf with the, uh, you know, in-line, in-spine number, mm. you know, and uh, every time I pull it down, I the, the other uh, films fall over, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doug, what are the films that you're uh, excited to see? What are the films that you would like to recommend people check out, uh, yeah. help Help our listeners through this this deluge of content.
1: Sure, my first recommendation is going to be a qualified recommend in that uh, this might be a bit of a difficult watch. I think their double feature of The Virgin Spring and Last House on the Left mm. is so on the nose. I mean, yeah. it's a little it's a little too on the nose, I would say. But i I really i, I think that this plays well if you know what you're in for. If you've if you've seen one of these films, you kind of get what the other one is. But it's really nice, I think, to sort of see the juxtaposition of how the same basic story can be told. And if we're talking about Bergman, Bergman in such a beautiful and, and sad and thoughtful manner, versus like the horrid grittiness of this early '70s exploitation movement. And, and that's not to say anything bad about Wes Craven. But I saw this again recently because Arrow put it out it's a it's a really really tough watch like last house on the left is a really difficult movie to watch for me now I saw this first in college but that's when you know I could sit down and watch stuff like snuff and I spit on your grave and cannibal holocaust and this kind of fit nicely in there watching it now was super gross and if you're if you're okay with that i think this is a wonderful pairing of two films that i said cover the same topic in in drastically different ways
0: yeah i think it's it's a really so many people don't quite get the the fact that craven essentially remade virgin spring (laughs) yeah and uh you know, I, I think that that Wes Craven was one of those filmmakers that had a lot more on his mind than mm-hmm. just the exploitation. And I think he was sure. trying to use the exploitation to explore some other other ideas. And yeah, I think it's a I think I think it's an interesting pairing. And I like what you said that you can tell the same story in some different ways yeah. if you're really interested in doing that.
1: Yeah, and I don't mind, or I don't doubt that he had other things on his mind, but it's it's really tough to get through it, strangely enough. And, and I could see that being a turnoff for a lot of people that, yeah. let's say, really love The Virgin Spring. I don't know that they would be as on board with this. But if it is something that you're interested in, and, and I would – honestly, I like – late Wes Craven, which nobody likes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I love him as a filmmaker, so to see this this really early outing from him, I think, is well worth a watch. That's
0: great. Uh, what's next for you?
1: Uh, what's next for me is Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. David Bowie, I think, and, and I don't know if this is a stretch or not, I think this is his best performance out of mm. any film that I have seen him in. Uh, he's He's so... Impassioned, and, 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 and his performance in this movie, as I said, is above anything that he's ever done. It's, it's unlike I've ever seen him in another film. If people don't know, it's about a British soldier who's captured by uh, Japanese forces and he's held in a prison camp. Takeshi Kitano is in this and gives a, another fantastic performance. It's, it's a very, very sad film. But also very poetic and, and strangely enough, I I think, I mean, at least what I got out of it, is it is somewhat uplifting at the end. I could be reading this wrong though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I remember it being somewhat uplifting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, but that's that's a wonderful film, and if you yeah. do not have the physical release from Criterion, please take some time and catch this. I mean, I yeah. I don't see it being talked about a lot when people talk about David Bowie as an actor. I think people talk about, strangely enough, The Hunger, which I don't think is a great movie, and, of course, they talk about Labyrinth, but not enough people are aware that he even made this.
0: Yeah, and it's, a, it's one of the later Oshima films, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, I think that... If you've seen a lot of the earlier Oshima films, which are so kind of over the top and uh, kind of stylistically out there, it's a more restrained film. But I think it still is just as politically charged and just as just as meaningful. And uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a really great film. It's one that I need to revisit because yeah. I think there's there's so much there, and I think that that Bowie and the um, the actor he plays opposite both give really remarkable performances
1: together. Oh, their their relationship is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah. So uh, if we're talking about things that I'm excited to watch, I kind of already talked about the Noir, the <laughs> Western <laughs> Noir bundle. So what more, honestly, is there to say about that? The only thing that I will say is, I think just looking through when you gave me this list, The Naked Spur is, I believe, the only thing that I've seen on here. Mm-hmm. So honestly, this is... For me, this is what streaming should be, and it's all about these blind spots. It's all about filling in these holes in film history, stuff that I probably should have already seen but haven't. And I love when I look through this and there's, what, eight or nine or ten films in here that I've never seen. These are going right to the top of the list.
0: Yeah, that's great. This is one that is when i saw this this pop up there was that part of me that was really excited and that part of me that was also a little uh despondent cuz i'm like oh no more stuff to put on my queue that i need to watch right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh what a, what a horrible time to live i
0: know i know
1: <laughs> yeah and, and the other thing that i would say uh that i am excited to watch is these three films starring jane fonda and I I like Jane Fonda, but in thinking about it, I'm not really sure why. Like, I don't really know if I've seen her in, I'm sure I've seen her in films, but Barbarella is, you know, it's sort of at this point become a punchline, but it dawned on me, I have never seen it. I've Mm. never seen the film. I've scrolled past it on certain streaming services, but maybe this is the push that I need to finally watch that. I have not seen Fun with Dick and Jane. Was that horribly remade uh, with Jim Carrey or something over the past I th- 10 years?
0: I think so, yeah. Something like that, yeah. okay. Uh,
1: and I have not seen California Suite, so this might not be the first thing that I go to, but I am going to add all three of these films.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it'll be interesting to see these, you know, uh, Clute came out, you know, not too long ago on disc. Yep. And I know that that was one of those turning points in her career, along with the work she did with Goddard. And... You know, I think that getting a chance to see what she was doing before some of that, I think yes. will be really fun and uh, uh, provide some great context for her later for her later work.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's really cool. Yeah. So what about you? Uh,
0: well, you know, I think the thing that I will recommend first is the Adam agoyan bundle. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen many of the films here. So this is also kind of a, being really excited to catch some of the things in here as well. <laughs> But The Sweet Hereafter was my first uh, experience with uh, Goyen's mm-hmm. work. And that was a film that absolutely blew me away. I think it was it's just this masterful exploration of grief and loss. Uh, I think it's probably one of the finest adaptations of a novel that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, having read the Russell Banks novel and seen just how... Agoy and his his crew really pared down this dense work and found their way in to tell the story of tragedy in a way that is just so sharp and so uh, so perfect. And uh, it's 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 masterful. And uh, he's a filmmaker whose whose films I've always wanted to to really dig into. And his films have been really difficult to see. Oh yeah, the the DVDs have been uh, out of print for a long time. Mm-hmm. They uh, have been, you know, really hard to get a hold of. And so the fact that this is all now available on Criterion Channel is incredible. So this is a bundle that I would really recommend people not sleep on because they're they're not easy to find. Right. And uh, so I I think this is one that people need to pay attention to because he's an important filmmaker that. Uh, I don't think gets his due quite enough.
1: No, I I would one hundred percent agree with you. And uh, Exotica, I mean, nineteen ninety four. You know, as like a sixteen, seventeen year old kid, it was like, oh, you got to check out this movie. It's so great, and and it just. That was the only thing from him that I could find. Even years later, yeah. like you said, I was I was looking around for other work by him. Once I had you know revisited Exotica, and I was able to watch the suite hereafter. But I think those are the only two that I've seen out of this bundle.
0: Yeah, yeah, those are the two. Those are the two that yeah. I've seen as well. Yeah. So the fact that they are starting to work with him uh, makes me really hopeful that we'll get more of his work. Yeah, I uh, hope so. More accessible because I think he's yeah. a major auteur that just is, is neglected. I also really, you know, I, I always I always appreciate the shorts plus features. I think those are always mm-hmm. fun. But this time I especially wanna highlight that. I don't normally do this, but um the features this uh this month are all pretty stellar. I think Attenberg by Athena, Rachel Sangari is outstanding part of the Greek weird wave. Cleo from five to seven is great. Girlhood by Celine Siama. I watched that the end of May and uh, Mm -hmm. it's just an incredible work. So all of the the features are great, but I especially want to make sure that people catch the double feature of Pickle and Gates of Heaven. Uh, Mm. Pickle, I don't think I have laughed quite as hard in the space of the Ten minutes short as I have on anything else, it is a delight from beginning to end. It fits perfectly with Gates of Heaven as a uh, as a feature. the The filmmaker is interviewing her parents who adopt a bunch of stray animals that uh, come into their home, and so she's just interviewing them about all the animals that have come into their life and the untimely ways that all of these animals pass on and all of these animals have some sort of deformity or have some sort of problem. And that's why the, the parents adopt them and try to find ways to, help them on like a fish that can't yeah. swim because oh because they have a, it has a fin problem so they build a, a little foam thing for the fish to keep it upright and i mean it's it's funny and oh it sounds uh, great honestly it's, it it's, sounds fantastic it's one of the yeah i i've probably seen the short three times now already mm-hmm. um it was on <laughs> filmstruck and uh was so happy that it ported over onto Criterion Channel and has been on Criterion Channel since day one. Right. It it's just it's one of those it's one of those absolutely delightful little <laughs> little shorts that you think this has to be this has to be a put on but uh it's not and if you enjoy Gates of Heaven this is a warmer version of Gates of Heaven as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally I totally enjoyed that one, that and would highly recommend people check that one out. I'm a big fan of the Darden brothers. Uh, uh-huh. I I love you know in in before I started working in communications, I was doing running an arts organization and uh, doing uh, theater and kind of looking at the intersection of art and social justice and how does that all play together. And I I am always impressed by the way that Darden brothers are able to explore. Social issues within their mm-hmm. films, and and always have it feel really natural, and always right. have it come out of the characters and the situations and the world that they've created. Uh, and anytime they come up with something new, I am I am there. And the fact that we're getting the streaming premiere of their latest film to me is uh, yeah. just it, stellar. So this is one. You know, I'm like you, I normally prioritize the expiring titles on the service, mm-hmm. and yeah. this is one that I will probably watch this month, because I am that eager to catch uh, Dardan Brother, uh, the latest Darden Brother film, and yeah. uh, uh, this one, uh, I've heard it's a polarizing film, which I think sometimes oh. can be really exciting.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then uh, My 20th Century, uh, it's a Hungarian uh, fantasy film. This was playing at one of our local art house theaters at the beginning of this year. And I read some reviews of it, and it sounds absolutely enchanting and strange and surreal. And, uh, you know, I love those uh, Eastern European mm-hmm. uh, fantasias that uh, pop up that uh, sounds a little like Valerie in her Week of Wonders or those, that type of those those types of films that were coming out during the Czech New Wave and uh during some of those more experimental uh Eastern European uh films. So I'm I'm super excited for this one and uh, uh am really glad that Criterion's gonna give us the opportunity to watch it.
1: Yeah, I mean I this is one that I had not heard of and I, I really didn't dig in and do any research, but All you had to say was Valerie and her week of wonders. I'm in.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'll watch
1: this. I'll watch this immediately.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, as I like to say here, uh, Criterion gives and Criterion taketh away. So we've got a lot of films that are leaving this month and uh, we've got some big things that are are leaving. So we are losing the final film from the Werner Herzog bundle, Aguirre, The Mm -hmm. Wrath of God, we are losing just about everything from the Directed by Jean-Luc Godard bundle. Uh, we're losing A Woman is a Woman, Contempt, A Married Woman, Band of Outsiders, Pierrot Le Fou, Alphaville, Made in USA, La Chinoise, Le Gasse Voix, uh, Hail Mary, Forever Mozart, Film Socialisme, Goodbye to Language, and The Image Book. There are a few of the other ones that are part of the Criterion Channel's permanent library that are going to be remaining there. We're going to be losing uh, Alison Anders' Things Behind the Sun. We'll be losing uh, everything from the Written by Francis Marion bundle, including Stella Dallas, The Scarlet Letter, The Wind, uh, and a whole lot of other films there. Uh, Night Without Armor is going to remain. That's part of the permanent collection as well. We're going to be losing the entire Saul Bass Turns 100 bundle, hmm. including The Man with the Golden Arm, The Big Knife, Storm Center, Cowboy, The Big Country, Facts of Life, lots of other things, including Mad, 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 Mad World, Seconds, uh, Age of Innocence. Uh, we're going to be losing um, just about everything from the starring Anna Karina bundle, uh, the most of the Godard films from earlier, uh, including uh, The Nun, which is a Rivette film. We're going to be losing three by Nicole Holofcener, Center a Lovely and Amazing, Friends with Money, and Please Give. From the Film Place Itself bundle, we'll be losing David Holzman's Diary. From the Criterion editions, we're going to be losing Investigation of a Citizen Beyond Suspicion. The Saturday Matinees, we're going to be losing Black Beauty and The Boy with the Green Hair. From the Safety Brothers Adventures and Movie Going, we're going to be losing Gloria and Hero. And then uh, just some individual films. These were either parts of Double Features or parts of other bundles that uh, have no, are no longer there anymore. So these are stray mm-hmm. films that are, are disappearing. Uh, we're going to be losing Stella Dallas, Britannia Hospital, Down in the Delta, West Side Story, Bullet, But I'm a Cheerleader, The Edge of Heaven, and My Own Private Idaho. So, yeah, it's a pretty oh. pretty packed <laughs> stuff that's, uh, that's going away. Doug. What what do people need to watch before wow. before the, <laughs> they the, it disappears?
1: Boy, I maybe I should just say what people don't need to watch because there's about two films that I would include in that. Um, <laughs> what do no, people not I mean, need to
0: watch that they don't. Need to right? Watch? <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. I I mean, if you haven't seen Aguirre, Wrath of God, you need to watch it. If you yeah. haven't seen any of these Godard films, please watch it. And what I would say is, if you don't own the physical copy of investigation of a citizen beyond suspicion mm. please 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 take some time and watch that it's it's an amazing film but uh those aren't the ones i included here so i'll get yeah. <laughs> into what i'd really like to recommend and again you know as i sort of said last time with the new films this first one i think might be a qualified recommendation i have not seen it in about 20 years but when i saw but i'm a cheerleader i Loved that film. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It, it was it was a strange film that sort of jumped off the wall of my local blockbuster. And yeah. I, I checked it out. I guess I'd consider it a romantic comedy, let's say, uh, directed by Jamie Babbitt. She still directs some smaller films. Um, but she's really made her bones as a television director doing episodes of Girls, mm. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, It's Always Sending in Philadelphia, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and Russian Doll. The film stars Natasha Lyonne, and basically it's – her parents send her to a conversion therapy camp uh, to cure her lesbianism. Uh, but being there, she really embraces her sexual orientation more mm-hmm. And, and she falls in love. It, it's it's a sweet movie. It's a funny movie from what I remember. Doing a little bit of research today, I found out that the film at the time was slammed by critics, just mm. destroyed by critics. And a lot of the, the things that I kept seeing was talking about it as a John Waters knockoff. And
0: oh.
1: first of all, I would never see that as a bad thing. I mean, that's like calling Edward Scissorhands a John Waters knockoff or Greg Araki films, John Waters knockoffs. I'll I'll take that every day of the week. The thing that I did find that that might be a little bit difficult and maybe challenging or a sign of the times of 1999 is a lot of gay critics did not like the film because it really leans into possibly negative gay stereotypes. Uh, Like I said, I have not seen this in a very long time but i would recommend it based on you know a me of you know 21 years old but it is something that i i will have to make sure that i personally catch before it leaves
0: yeah i i I graduated college in 99 so this was right around the time that you know i was exploring independent film and Mm -hmm. i i still haven't seen this one yet but Oh, okay. Um, this is one that I'm that's on my list to definitely watch because you know it's part of that slew of films that were coming out at the time that were beginning to to break down some barriers and uh, you know I, I missed it, but I'm really, really eager to see how how they were beginning to to explore sexuality at the time. Uh, my wife and I just watched The Watermelon Woman. Uh, Okay. A few weeks ago, uh, Cheryl Dunn's film that was exploring both race and sexuality Mm -hmm. and gender. And, you know, I think that the 90s was this time where filmmakers were starting to wrestle with these things in some Mm -hmm. really interesting ways. And uh, uh, I'm excited to see how how Jamie Babbitt was uh, exploring that here.
1: Yeah. And it's it's so bright and so colorful and it's so poppy that I, I don't know how much of this you're supposed to take seriously. I mean, I know it's speaking to really big issues, but I wonder if that was the issue with yeah. critics, is you're, you're taking a very serious topic and you're possibly having a little too much fun with it. I, yeah. I don't know if that was the, the issue, but I, like I said, I am excited to see this again.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. What else have you got
1: well, the other thing is, and, and I've seen this joke online made by people uh, referring to other movies, but I think my life is continuing to buy Alphaville until I die. I don't know. <laughs> I think I have two DVDs. I have three Blu-rays of this film, and it's, it's almost a running joke. If, if people are longtime listeners of Criterion now, I have talked about Alphaville so many times, but I will continue to trumpet that film any chance I get. It's probably an odd Godard to be anyone's favorite, but it is mine. And the reason why I like it is it blends so many of my favorite movie genres. As I said before, I'm not typically into Westerns. I'm not typically into uh, samurai films. But I'd probably describe this as like a French New Wave Lo fi dystopian future neo noir. And if you take any one of those, I am into it. But this mashes all of that nonsense together into a single movie. <laughs> it stars Eddie Constantine and Anna Karina, as you know, we talked about her earlier. Yeah. And it takes place in the quote unquote future. But what's so great is she dresses as 1965 as you could possibly get. And he wanders around in a trench coat like he stepped out of a 40s noir. It's it's a wonderful mix of like Cocteau's Orpheus and George Orwell's 1984. And it's such a bizarre blending of those. I love this film. I If people have not seen it and aren't willing to, you know, spend the $11 on the, the Kino release, Please check this out before it's Mm. gone.
0: Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah, it's one that I think I saw as I was just starting to explore uh, Godard. Mm -hmm. So it's one that I definitely need to rewatch. I've got the disc sitting on my shelf here. And so uh, this might be a good impetus to revisit. And uh, now that I'm more familiar with Godard's work. And I find that a lot with with films, right? I was talking with my wife Mm -hmm. about this the other day that you know as you get more film under your belt revisiting some of these works. They just take on new meaning and new resonances. Right. And, uh, this is one that I'm really eager to revisit.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, a hundred percent like this is just like you. I-, I think that I was late in college and you and I, you know, from what you said, we are possibly the exact same age <laughs> in college or late in college. I started to get into more foreign films and uh, art house stuff, things like that. And this is the first Godard I saw And then I'm not saying I was disappointed because I I couldn't be. But then when I watched Band of Outsiders, I was like, oh, wait, I just thought Alphaville was the kind of stuff this guy made. So it was it was very bizarre then for me to dive into his filmography, this being the first movie and, you know, feeling about it the way that I do uh, to go through and, and watch the rest of his work.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. What are you going to catch? What are you going to try to watch before they leave?
1: You know, I'm going to, Here's another thing is I am going to have to watch The Boy with Green Hair. I am <laughs> I'm not saying I'm excited to watch this, but I'm curious because for so long I had this movie confused with The Peanut Butter Solution. <laughs> and and I saw The Peanut Butter Solution recently, and watching it, I went, wait, I thought this was The Boy With Green Hair. So it dawned on me then that I don't know what this movie is, but I've always heard the title. So strangely enough, that is the reason why I am going to be checking this movie out.
0: Nice. You know, we all come to movies for different reasons, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess so. Have you, have you seen this?
0: I haven't. This is one that... Uh, okay. That uh, the title has never really done it for me, but I'm curious because i I find that their matinees are really fascinating, mm-hmm. and uh, this is uh, i I love that they do the matinees. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's a really neat approach to try to kind of create this mm-hmm. space where parents can help introduce their children to works uh that are outside of the normal frenetic Mm -hmm. crap for kids (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to find a more diplomatic word but uh you know i you know i I, for my vacation i plan my own film festival since the film festival that i normally attend uh was canceled this year and you know it's it's trying to trying to find like some some weekend matinee stuff that is not that, that's, that's maybe a little more yeah. thoughtful, that could be more family friendly, as, as a challenge. And I, I really appreciate that they're doing that here they're looking digging into classic film and uh, art house film and trying to find work that can appeal to children and can Mm -hmm. appeal to younger audiences i find that really really admirable and so that in and of itself makes me eager to check out the boy with the green hair even if it's not something that will necessarily resonate with me
1: No, and and strangely enough, I know that a lot of people during the pandemic have been, you know, sharing thoughts online about, you know, what are you watching? And are you sitting around watching, you know, zombie apocalypse movies? And what I've found is that I tend to be gravitating more toward lighter films. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I haven't necessarily watched a whole lot in the past few months that are too intense or, or stuff that honestly I have to think a whole lot about while I'm watching it. And I and I don't know, maybe I'd be doing this anyway. But this really seems to be something that I can sit down with my kids and, and check out.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah,
1: And the last one, and I'll let you go with this because I see that it is one that you're recommending. I'm interested in seeing things behind the sun. And this is such a another lame reason I went through the expiring titles and I've seen so much of this like I've seen Herzog I've seen Goddard, I've seen all the Saul Bass stuff so I was even I was just going through and checking out and doing a little bit of research on films that I have not seen yet and this film when I saw the cover I remember looking at that cover so many times and for some reason never hitting play if it was on streaming or never renting mm-hmm. it or something. So honestly, that's the reason I'm recommending it. It's a perfect time to finally watch this movie.
0: Yeah, so Things Behind the Sun, you know, I ta- going back to our discussion about college and mm-hmm. the 90s, you know, Allison Anders was part of that kind of Sundance class. With, you know, Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez and, you know, that that group of filmmakers that that really kind of helped make independent cinema explode, at least in the mainstream. Right. That I I grew up in eastern Washington, in rural Mm -hmm. eastern Washington, but, but was in high school in suburban California. And, you know, to to have kind of independent cinema kind of trickle down and reach me. You know, somebody yeah. who, who didn't really know much about it. And, uh, you know, so getting into Tarantino, that was an entry point for me into mm-hmm. to discovering better film. And uh, I remember watching uh, the omnibus film, The Four Rooms that was with sure tarantino and rodriguez and allison andrews was one of the directors so i started exploring some of her films and i became really really enamored with especially grace of my heart which is one of her i think i think it may be her best film oh okay with yeah, the, I seen that. iliana douglas um, mm-hmm. plays a uh, musician a singer songwriter and it charts the course of her career as she is trying to, she, she wants to be a singer songwriter and the, the powers that be really just mm-hmm. want her to be a songwriter. And we see her over the course of the different musical waves that come in. As she's writing for different people and as she's trying to find her voice. And that was the, the film that really helped me kind of fall in love with Alison Andrews as a, as a filmmaker. And I think Things Behind the Sun was her follow-up, and I was, again, blown away by it. I think it was a really right. strong film. It's a darker film. Uh, it's about addiction. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, again, about a musician, I believe. And it's been a while since I've seen it. So, you know, like you were saying with But I'm a Cheerleader, there's a qualified sure. recommendation in there. <laughs> but I think it it's really honest about addiction. It's really honest about, about trauma and about the ways that uh, that trauma affects us and the the performances in it are really really stellar and yeah. uh, it's it's a really solid drama that I think it, it's one of those films that was overlooked uh, and mm. I think uh, if I remember right I was working at Blockbuster at the time when it came out and I think it was one of those ones that maybe had a festival run Maybe got some limited theatrical th- limited theatrical run, but pretty much went straight to video. And mm-hmm. I think it's a shame because I do think that this is a really it's a it's a film that deserves to be seen by more people. So I think people should definitely check this one out.
1: No, that's great.
0: The Big Knife. It's part of the Saw Bass uh, bundle. It's also part of the the. Film plays itself bundle as well. It has some really great performances. It's a very state. It's based on a stage play, so you can feel that in it. But it is this just acerbic and uh, bitter ode to Hollywood. And uh, I I found that one. I watched it just a, a few months ago and was absolutely. I found it really completely riveting uh, from beginning to end. Cannot recommend that one highly enough. I think it's, again, a really, a really great, if you're looking for a good, bitter Hollywood film,
1: this is the (laughs) one to watch. (laughs) No, you're right. And it is. I mean, it's, it screams stage play. I have the, uh, I think it's Arrow Academy. I think they put out the blue. Uh, So I do have that and I checked it out and it's, it's, a masterful film it's full of let's say giant performances but sometimes that's that's really great to see
0: yes and you know i you know i i uh again my background is theater so i i have no problem with those outsized theatrical Mm -hmm. performances and i'm always interested to see you know how how does a filmmaker translate a stage work into a film and how does that how does that work and uh and i i Sometimes I like it when they just go ahead and say, "Hey, we're going to just set this in one room," <laughs> and yep, yeah, and I, I I appreciate the purity of vision in this film, uh, mm-hmm. or the lack of purity in the <laughs> film. <laughs> David Holzman's diary is one that I have you know heard so much about. Um, it's one that I have not seen yet it was released on criterion laserdisc years ago so i always try to bump those up on my list of things to see so i just i need to catch that it's 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 on my list i don't know much about it but uh that's one i i'm excited for and then the Nicole uh, Holof Center films, you know, she's a filmmaker, again, part of that 90s wave of uh, indie filmmakers mm-hmm. that I believe I saw lovely and amazing back during that time.
1: Yeah, I think I did as well. Yeah,
0: it's been too long, though, and I'm, I mm-hmm. need to revisit. Uh, I, I enjoyed the comedy from what I remember, but I think it's time to revisit yeah. her films and uh, and to watch the stuff that I haven't seen. I'm trying really hard to actively seek out films by uh, female filmmakers and by uh, black filmmakers and filmmakers of color to just broaden my horizons more and more. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm very, very curious to see these works. And so I'm, I'm eager for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, there we go. Those are Criterion's uh, new and expiring titles for the month of July. There are there's a lot there and uh, <laughs> I feel like we we always have just this incredible bounty to to watch and you know, I don't know about you Doug. I I've given up trying to stay on top of things.
1: <laughs> you can't. There's you'll make yourself crazy if you try. Yeah. That's it. You yeah. need to prioritize and just hope things come back around at some point or you know they move to another streaming service that you have down the road
0: yep yep i i keep a list of the films that i missed that have lo- left the channel and that's growing pretty long and i have a list of where they can be found on other things so at some point i might get to them on other on other services but yeah it's there's just i i've realized there's no way i'm gonna get uh get complete <laughs> doug thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Where can people find you online?
1: Oh, people can find me. Uh, I mean, if you're interested in the podcasts, just look up Good Times Great Movies. Uh, look up Shits and Giggles. You can find us wherever you get your shows. You can certainly find me on Facebook, but most of the time on other social media sites, I do just interact as the podcast. So if you do go to Twitter or Instagram or or even Letterboxd, I'm on as the podcast. So you can normally find me at gtgmcast. Just type those in. You'll find it. Even though I'm on Letterboxd as the podcast, it's kind of just me. (laughs) But I do do make a list of films that we cover on the podcast uh, to check out. And right now we're in the middle of our summer of sequels, which we're finding out may have been a huge mistake, as we just talked about Sleepaway Camp 2, and it was one of the worst things either of us had seen
0: oh 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 that's painful
1: it's, it's really bad i don't think we realized we watched police academy 2 and karate kid part 2 missing in action 2 it's not good this is not a fun summer
2: <laughs>
1: but they make great films to make fun of i guess that's so. awesome <laughs> yeah.
0: cool well thanks again for joining me this was fun
1: No, thank you. This has been a blast.
0: You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at CriterionChannelSurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of CriterionCast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of Criterion Cast at patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener supported, so please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash joshhornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show, and for $10 a month, you'll have a chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to continue thanking all of our current supporters. Thank you so much for your continued support. It means so much. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, Doug and I sit down to discuss films from underrepresented countries. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. CriterionCast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.